It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Friday, December 2nd, your daily dose of Flyers news, analysis, and high-quality content that, oh man, that second period, we got to talk about it. Oh yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, once again, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here, as always, with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Flyers, also over on Instagram. That's where you'll keep up to date on our episodes and Flyers news. You can also email us at lockdownflyers at gmail. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. On today's show, we are going to talk about the Flyers' loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning, some words that Chuck Fletcher and John Tortorella had to say earlier in the day. We're going to go around the NHL with some surprises, and then we're going to preview the weekend matchup against the Devils. So a lot to get to on today's show. We are available wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Odyssey, plus we're over on YouTube, so subscribe there as well. A busy, busy day for the Flyers, Russ. Uh, Kiefer Bellows on waivers, uh, I think, to make room for Travis Konechny coming back into the lineup, as well as maybe a contract for Anisimov. Yeah, if somebody claims Bellows, then yeah, that's that's certainly what they're thinking, but it's not a guarantee, right? Right. So we're going to have to wait until later today to find out if he clears or not. Uh, we got some injury updates. Uh, we learned that Ryan Ellis, no surprise, out for the season. We all kind of assumed that. So, But it was kind of good to hear it directly out of their mouths. Sure. So now it's one less thing to check off. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Cam Atkinson still day to day, but obviously he didn't play last night. JVR is seeing a specialist today and then uh, Couturier is going to see another doctor in a couple of weeks. So hopefully we'll get more clarity on his potential return shortly thereafter. Why would JVR need to see a specialist? It's, it's a break. Like, I don't know why it would have to be a specialist. Well, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to speculate <laughs> for now. But uh, yeah, Torts and Chuck had some other stuff to say. I-, I will say, and this sort of relates a little bit to the game last night, that you know, John Tortorella says some stuff that you know gets you aggravated or you know causes controversy. But I think that he had a couple of good things to say yesterday before the game and after, um, you know, just in terms of sticking with it and trying to build a system and then post game, you know, kind of refusing to lay blame anywhere specific in terms of the players that, you know, he was like, no, this is a team effort and we couldn't recover from that second period, especially when we got trapped in the zone and we have to learn to get past those momentum shifts, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he did the right thing, you know, not throwing anybody under the bus. But 
he's also acting like he's a professor teaching like young kids. And, you know, we in the media are kind of looking at this like, you know, this is 24 games into it. This isn't like the beginning of a season. He's still giving us a speech like it's the beginning of a season. Yeah, I mean, I can see that side of it as well. It just feels like he's at least trying to do the right thing here. And I appreciate it to a certain extent. He also implied that guaranteed contracts are terrible (laughs) earlier in the day. The irony in that, he's got a guaranteed contract. I know, I know. But I was just like, bringing up NFL contracts, are we? That is not a good look. No. Chuck was delusional. He's completely delusional. He comes off saying that he thinks this team could still make the playoffs. There's not one person in that press box that believes that and couldn't believe he said it. And then you watch this game, and this was their worst lackluster performance of the season. So what do we say after that? Yeah, I mean, it it was pretty brutal. Uh, Again, it was good to see Konechny get back and, you know, he scored that goal. I appreciate that. I appreciate the effort he put in in the game because I thought he was there and and like really in it. The second period goal too. So there was a good and a bad there for him. Right. But, you know, in that second period, not only did they get pinned in the zone for like three and a half, four minutes, the Flyers only had you know, one high danger chance for at five on five, the entire game and the scoring chances in that second period were 21 to one for the lightning. Like a night off for Vasilevsky other than, you know, like an Owen Tippett break, which was kind of easy. And it was like a night off for him. Yeah. He did make some really great saves though. And I think especially in the first period when the flyers were actually in the game. That's true. So I, I, you know, I think that he did put in a good performance for what he had to do. I think that, you know, like I said, in that first period, it was closer to even hockey and, you know, that, that one goal was not a good look, but at the same time, you know, for the team, not for Carter Hart, but, you know, I think that the Flyers were definitely in it at that point. Yeah. he Look, Carter Hart kept him in the game until that bad goal, but it was out of it that, they weren't coming back anyhow. Uh, when you know Tampa put on a masterclass for possession, that's true. Uh, you know when you're on the penalty kill and you're playing the box, how do you leave the op- the middle open so Nick Paul can get to the net, and then Nick Paul gets to the net again? Like he knew once he got to the net like that easy in the power play, that was an invitation for later in the game, which he you know took them up on. Yeah. And, you know, the power play wasn't good either. I mean, they had four shots on goal on three power play attempts. That's not going to cut it against the lightning. You have to get more shots in front of Vasilevsky in order to have a chance for any of them to go in. A lot of them, it took them so much time to either set up or gain possession of the puck. Like it was just, it was just bad. And, you know, I know Torch talked about how he'll talk about these things of practice. There's no point in yelling and everything. Like I get it, but You're at a point in the season now, you're at the 24-game mark. The Flyers have only scored like 50-something goals. They they don't score goals. They're not playing good enough defense. They're not trying to tank. And there are a lot of scouts coming in from other teams. So I do believe that Chuck is trying to make some sort of trade to shake things up. But I'm not sure that's going to do anything. But, you know, maybe it helps them out of cap trouble going into next year, but I do think that's what they're working on right now. 
Well, that's the only thing that they can really do right now is help get them out of cap trouble so that maybe they can do another reset in the off season coming up because that's where Chuck Fletcher is stuck. Right. And that's where you can see like the, the cracks between torts and Chuck Fletcher, because you can tell they're on different missions right now. And torts kind of hinted at that in what he said earlier in the day about you know it's not his job to deal with the contracts and and all of that and he just you know he he only just gives them the best information and it's up to management to make and that i mean that was extremely telling in terms of the diverging missions that they're on right now and and i do not think the communication that is necessary is actually there no But again, I do think they're doing some due diligence right now and are attempting to to do some sort of move. I can tell you Toronto's been there the last few games in a row. To me, that's something where you know that they need a defenseman. So you could speculate whether it be Risto or even a lower level defenseman like a sealer. You know, they they do need some help Mm -hmm. on the blue line. They do have some cap space. That does lead you to believe that Risto could be one of those guys with the Muzzin with Muzzin being out for the year. So or most likely out for the year. Anyhow, we'll see. I mean, they're going to have to do some things like that. But again, even Torch said this right, where he was like, look, it wasn't about new players coming back. It wasn't about young players being in there. It wasn't about any of that. And he's right. Because like one of the things I was saying to a few of the guys in, in on press row was just basically, they could have added three new players tonight. It wouldn't have mattered. They didn't play like a team. Yeah, well, they have another good team to play next. We're going to get to that later in the show. But first, we're going to talk about some news around the NHL and some surprises in this season so far. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. Betonline BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports, and of course the NHL. We've got it all at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts like ours, you could find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available wherever you get your podcasts. Russ, we were just talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning, and uh, that brings us to some stories from around the league, including those Lightning. And uh, Pat Maroon kind of went through it recently when uh, they were playing the Bruins. Jack Edwards uh, was just making some insults to him about maybe his weight and Uh, You know, it got a lot of people talking about just how awful it was that, you know, you can critique how a guy's playing, but but just critiquing physical characteristics. I mean, make fun of like a mustache that's growing. I mean, you could say he slowed down a bit. Fine. Yeah. Those kinds of things. I agree. Um, You know, I've sat with Jack Edwards and he's a different guy when you talk to him in person and he gets behind the mic. He's a completely different guy. And. The array of fat jokes that 
that were on that broadcast were just it's uncalled for. And Brinkley, he, he didn't help. He doubled down. No. And and I, yeah, Andy Brinkley, who's the color commentator yeah, for Nesson. Yeah, he doubled down on it, which I thought was appalling. If nothing else, he should realize that. All right, Jack, you've gone a little too far, and maybe he could steer it in the right direction. No, he kept it going. I mean, honestly, the Bruins should apologize because the Bruins—they should—they really should. If they listen to the broadcast, they should apologize and say, "Listen, this is not what we want to want to do or say when we're." playing an opponent i get it if you want to like fire up your home fan base there's other things you could say you could say the tampa bay lightning stink and pat maroon won't care but this was too personal and i I loved what pat maroon did i tweeted to him and i said hey this is a you know really great way of turning something negative into something positive by giving to charity i loved it well that's exactly what happened so pat maroon uh posted on twitter that he was making a two thousand dollar donation to tampa bay thrives which is a nonprofit that works with people who struggle with mental health issues and substance abuse issues and he did it in support of those struggling with mental health bullying and body image so it was very clear that it was directed at these comments and, you know, and he encouraged other people to donate as well. And so that was really good. And still, we've not heard anything out of Jack Edwards or Andy Brickley or Nesson or anybody like they. I guess they feel like that's normal. All right. Well, on to some, uh, the continuing saga of the stadium situation in Arizona, they had a hearing in Tempe the other night, which led to some updates about a potential stadium deal. Yeah, it's interesting because like in these things, and I've, I remember watching the original ones, like what was that? Like, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, they streamed it when yeah. streaming wasn't that big of a deal on the internet. And they were kind of fun to watch because people would show up in like their Coyotes jerseys and get to say their piece. And someone called in this one, Shane Doan, a God. And it's like, you know, I just I never understand the decorum in these things, but it's always loose. It's always very loose. So you know, they got through it and they had a seven nothing vote. So now it's up to the voters. And the interesting thing is, you know, Gary Bettman said, hey, we're guaranteeing a 30 year lease. And they're, the NHL is doing everything they can to keep the team there. There's no question about it because they want the TV audience. We know that. I'm not even sure it's about attendance at all. Whether whatever, whatever attendance they get will certainly be better than the old place or the college place if they get it. That I'm pretty sure of. But will that cure it? I don't know. They've moved around so many times in in the time they've been there that I'm not sure they can ever fill a place regularly. But that's beside the point. Uh, with this one, uh, the the ownership group is going to cover everything, all arena costs, which sounds great. But then they're not covering the land remediation, which, again, uh, if people want, they can go check out when Petco Park was built. They thought they were going to have an open and shut thing with land remediation and And they didn't because there were underground fuel tanks and those kinds of things there. And that caused the problem. So, you know, right now there's a number put on the uh, cost of 70 million to the taxpayers, which I guess compared to a stadium isn't much. But the problem is, you know, of course, politicians are saying, well, you're probably going to get money back on that. That seems like a high estimate. Whereas I've spoken to people who, you know, deal with environmental impact statements and such. And. That's not necessarily a high, you know, a high uh, number, especially because you don't know the, the the unknown. What's underneath the soil is the key. Yeah, I think the biggest 
thing here is how all of this is messaged to people. And yeah. that's going to determine the outcome. Because if people say, oh, you know, the owners are going to pay for the whole stadium, it'll just be this small cost on the side, then maybe it'll move forward. But if people really dig into those issues, then I think they could maybe run into some hesitation and roadblocks along the way. Yeah. And the Tempe, I think it's the Tempe mayor that had um, cautioned the builders that if it goes through to not put people's homes, because this is a whole entertainment center, which I do think includes some homes. Don't put them in, you know, in the direct flight path. I mean, you yeah. live in Queens. I remember visiting a friend in Jackson Heights and literally planes like fly right over you to get to Jackson Heights. And it doesn't seem like they're more than like a hundred feet above you with the just, it's, it's a little scary and unnerving. I don't know if you've ever experienced <laughs> it, but it really is. I mostly get helicopters circling okay. the mayor's mansion across the river, but you know, we'll see how this one goes. I do want to touch on some surprises this season so far in the NHL. We'll get to one of the biggest ones in the next segment uh, because it uh, crosses the Flyers' path. But uh, I think for me, the biggest team surprise this year is the Seattle Kraken. They are on a six-game win streak as of recording. Um, they played last night, but we don't know the outcome of the game as of recording. They were 8-1-1 one, and one in the last 10. Their scoring is absolutely on fire. They haven't scored less than three goals since November 13th. They've scored nine in a game, eight in a game, and they've been letting some in. I mean, goaltending is a little weak there, but it doesn't matter because they're scoring all the goals. Yeah, in that 9-8 game, which they got the win uh, with Burakovsky yeah. getting the winner, I, I saw online, and I can't remember who the person was, posted that the high danger chances, the slot chances were up 38% in that game. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people, yeah. they're always like people who want high scoring games. You don't want it like that, especially if it's your team. Right. You don't. Now, you know, good for them for overcoming it and good for them for signing Burakovsky. Like that's, you know, that was really a big deal. This is a very talented player who I really felt like was, was still finding his way until this year. So that's helped. Am I going to say that the Kraken are a definite contender? Not yet but they're playing well. Yeah. It's, it's been a lot of fun for them, yes. especially given how last season went. Uh, I'm looking forward to their game against Florida on Saturday. I think that should be a fun one with two offensively minded teams. Oh, yeah. Again, um, we should get a lot of goals in that game. I, I think sort of secondarily, the Vegas golden Knights leading the Pacific um, has been a bit of a surprise. They've cooled off a little bit. They're five, four and one in their last 10 uh, but they're still playing pretty strong hockey. And I think that, you know, they're the kind of team that could stick it out and definitely get a playoff spot. Yeah, I, I picked them for the playoffs. I thought they could could win that division. But the thing about the Vegas Golden Knights is it all depended on how the goaltending was going to be. And so far, it's been great. And also the depth. They don't have a lot of depth. So if all of a sudden some of their veterans were going to get hurt again, you know, if Eichel goes down you know, or um, anybody else goes down. I mean, really, uh, Riley Smith has been one of their best scorers. If any of those guys go down, they don't have a lot of guys to replace them. Right. That's, that's the big thing about it. And Logan Thompson is kind of like an unknown quantity, but, you know, between last year and this year, it seems pretty solid. Yeah, and I, I do think that, you know, a lot of people underestimated them going into this season, so they're kind of in a prove-it mode as well, yes. and and I think that uh, they're, they're a fun team to keep an eye on right now. 
Uh, on the player side of things, the, the biggest surprise for me has been which defensemen have been tearing it up this year because, you know, you expect a Kale McCarr and Adam Fox is having a good season so far, but the Rangers are kind of in a weird spot right now mm -hmm. overall. Uh, but so you sort of expect him there, but he's uh, tied with Josh Morrissey third overall in defenseman scoring right now. Um, again, two solid defensemen, but your top two point totals for defensemen right now, number one, Eric Carlson, which is my favorite story of this hockey season so far. He's got 32 points yeah. as of recording. And it, I mean, it's, I feel so bad because the sharks are so bad right now. But he's like definitely the number one guy on that team. And it's so good to see him recover like that. Uh, and Rasmus Dahlin from the Buffalo Sabres, uh, 26 points. He's having a phenomenal season so far as well. And so those two guys, I think, are, um, while they're, they're always, you know, good defensemen reputationally, I think to be atop the scoring race uh, it is a little bit of a surprise. Yeah, I think so. Um... With Darlene, we talked about how Matias Samuelson had a very positive impact on him and is a really good partner, you know, when he wasn't injured this year. And so that's that's been a big thing for mm -hmm. him. And with Carlson, like, I can't account for it because, you know, he's had some off seasons and now all of a sudden this Eric Carlson's back. If he gets if he has a couple of seasons like this, two, three more seasons like this, he's going to be a Hall of Fame candidate again, because I know a lot of people just kind of, you know, threw him for dead. But we all have to remember how dominant he once was as an offensive player. It's just it's hard to believe a team could have a defenseman this good uh, dominating with points and still be that bad like the Sharks are. It's hard yes, to do. I know. I know. It's so upsetting in a lot of ways. But uh, there was another surprise this season so far. That's the New Jersey Devils. The Flyers are facing them this weekend. And we're going to talk about them next. Russ, uh, do you remember back to the season opener for the Flyers when uh, the expectations were on the floor and mm -hmm. then all of a sudden we won the opener against the New Jersey Devils 5-2? to two. We had that good stretch at the beginning of the season, started with, with that victory, and uh, then the Devils turned it around. And boy, did they turn it around. They had a 13-game win streak. Uh, and, you know, it was broken by the Toronto Maple Leafs last week, but they recovered from it and won their next three games in a row. And there's like a resiliency with the Devils and a confidence with the Devils uh, that I don't think anybody could have predicted. They could have predicted an improvement, but this level, uh, you know, they're the number one team in the league right now. 19-4-0. This is going to be a tough game. Yeah, they're scary to play. Like, they... They get to the puck first. They forecheck really well. Uh, they, you can't hit what you can't see in the case of Jack, Jack Hughes and Jesper Bratt uh, with their speed. I don't think we planned this with Vitek Vanacek being the guy either. No. So that's the other. That's the biggest part of their success, I yeah. think, because goaltending has been the weakness, right, that's held them back. Right. We've all said it for the last couple of years. They could be a playoff team if they got better goaltending. Well, they're finally getting it, and I didn't know Vanacek could do this for long term. I still have a little question. You hear me, a little hesitancy. We'll see in the next 2025 how he does, but, man, he's he's given them all kinds of confidence. He has. 
Yeah, amongst goaltenders that have played a significant number of games, you know, he's got a 923 save percentage, 2.12 goals against, third in the NHL right now overall, an 11 and 2 record. And, you know, you look at Bernier and Blackwood both getting hurt and you think, oh God, this is going to be a tough road for the Devils. But no, Vanacek has just stepped right in and carried this team. He has. And listen, honestly, for a couple of seasons, I used to get texts and all kinds of emails about um, how Jack Hughes is not a first overall pick. He's not any good. Why did you back him so much? All that kind of stuff. And now look at Jack Hughes. A little bit stronger. Yep. He might even be a little bit faster, but I think I'm not sure he's actually faster. I just think he knows where to go now. I think it's the uh, the brain function is just so high. It isn't both. It really isn't all three of the brothers, but especially in Jack and Quinn, I, I see the way they're able to break things down before they happen. And that's another reason why it's hard to get a really good shot on Jack, if that's your intention. And you, like the goalie scored a week ago, the impossible angle one. He's practiced yeah. that. Just the fact that he's practicing that, I have to give the guy credit for. Yeah, he and Jesper Bratt are just having phenomenal seasons. Yeah. They're tied for the team league with 26 points so far. The other guy I want to talk about is Nico Heischer, though, yes. because I think he's really coming into his own he this is. season as the top line center. He's got 25 points so far, 10 goals, 15 assists, and he is really driving play on that top line for the Devils in a way that he has not in his career thus far. I think, he, you know, he's taking that captaincy and really running with it, it this year. And I think that's been a huge difference for the Devils. So it's interesting. Um, in the World Juniors, he did this. And I was really high on him. And then, you know, the Devils took him. And we saw this first few seasons. And, and they were good. You know, his, you know his, the start of his career yeah. was good. But like you said, not great. But, but good. And I think now, like you said, he's figured out the league. He's gotten stronger. And he's also a Selkie candidate at the moment. Like, he's tremendous defensively. And he has just put it all together and really has become a better player than I even thought he would be. Uh, and I'm really happy for the guy. And, yeah, you're right. That combination is deadly. But they have a good fourth line, too. Like, Nathan Bastian, Seattle just gave him up. Like, he was a former Devil. Seattle had him. They waved him. And the Devils picked him right back up, and he's doing really well, too. Another guy with good hands. He's big around the net. So this is a team that has a, a good grind line. This is a team that can slug it out with you if you choose to. And I say that only because the Flyers choose to with everybody. So, But the biggest thing on, on this one is going to be the defense. The, it, right. John Tortorella and Shaw are going to have to come up with a defensive plan to keep guys like Jack Hughes in tow because – like the Tortorella said the other day, and it worked against the Islanders. Hey, we you know we just got to put an extra guy in the middle, whatever. Yeah, that works against some teams. Not when you have speed like this, though. And all of a sudden, like they're getting a stretch pass where you're not expecting it, or a line change, and Hughes is out there, and all of a sudden he's getting the puck with open ice. That's a whole different story. The craziest thing to me is that Andre Palat, who was like their big offseason move, has been on IR like for most of the season. And it's completely not affected them and their success. Like that is wild. It is wild because I, I remember I wrote that he'll be one of the big free agents 
when I was covering the Stanley Cup and people burst, you know, got mad at me. They were like, he's resigning. And I'm like, I don't think he is. And I was like, wow, the devil's got him. What a good signing. And I still think it's a good signing. It's just that maybe a good second half of the year signing. So you're right. I mean, the fact that all these things are happening with the devils is very impressive. Lindy Ruff, I think, was a little close to losing his job. I do. But also Andrew Burnett, I think, is the big difference here because a lot of the guys are the same. And a lot of them were always go, were always had the talent. But Brunette, if you remember, helped put up big numbers in Florida. And they're, you know, I think he, he's helping the Devils do that too. I think he's been a big part of it, deserves some credit. All right. Well, we'll see how that one goes. Uh, last night's game was the 80s throwback night. And they had another poster for this one, which is just phenomenal. Uh, I think, you know, highlighting all the players of the 80s, fond childhood memories for me. And of course, in the middle is the J.J. Daniel goal to force game seven in the 87 uh, Stanley Cup. Uh, I forgot Craig Mooney was on the ice for that one yeah. for the Oilers until I saw this picture. But uh, yeah, it's, it, those, those were good times. Helmetless. The there's a helmetless player, right? I mean, is that Brad Brown? Marsh. Yeah. Oh, Brian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Brad, Brad Marsh. Marsh. Yeah. 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 He, I mean, that's that stands out. Um, the fact that I had long curly hair in the 80s stands out. Tocket had hair in the 80s. Tocket had hair along with me, and now neither of us have it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That'll do it for today's show. We'll be back again on Monday with the latest Flyers news. We're going to recap this game against the Devils. And of course, we'll have our nemesis of the week. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. So send in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers. You can email us at Lockdown Flyers at Gmail or you can comment over on YouTube. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen today. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. It's the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and their take of the day. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great weekend, everyone.